You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Good evening, or good morning, or good afternoon. Whatever time it is that you're listening, this is the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. I am Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado for episode 176 of season 3, 241 of this podcast. Today is All Hallows Eve Eve also known as the day before Halloween. It is October 30th, 2021, Saturday morning. And I got to thinking this morning that tomorrow, being Halloween, I should talk a little bit about how we do Halloween in our house. Because that comes up from time to time with friends, family, coworkers. What's your guys' take on Halloween? We're a conservative homeschooling family. And could go a lot of different directions. We're not super conservative in terms of being very, very strict about media the way that some families we know are. We're not super conservative when it comes to what we wear, wearing all of our t-shirts tucked into our blue jeans, wearing ankle length skirts, that sort of thing. But we are conservative theologically, and we are conservative politically and socially, for the most part. And as such, we might be the kind of family that goes trick-or-treating. We might be the kind of family that believes that Halloween is Satan's holiday. So people ask, do you guys celebrate Halloween? And I haven't really had a very well prepared answer just because I don't, I don't put that much thought into it one way or the other. I I just don't, I don't care that much. I really don't care that much. I kind of forget that Halloween is a holiday. Honestly, it's not like I feel really strongly that we need to protest Halloween or anything crazy like that. And I certainly don't feel strongly that we need to celebrate Halloween. I just don't feel much of anything. I just, I feel a, a cold antipathy towards Halloween in general. It's kind of fun. I don't mind it when there's a little plastic pumpkin full of candy at some vendor or on somebody's desk and you reach in and grab a Butterfinger. I don't mind that one bit. I don't mind candy corn even a little. I don't mind pumpkins or most of the things aesthetically that go along with Halloween. I think it's kind of a fun holiday, but I don't really care all that much. It's not like Skipping Halloween just ruins my season. It ruins my fall. It doesn't work that way for me. Now, if we were talking about Thanksgiving, well, now, that's another story. I can't skip Thanksgiving. Easter is okay. It's all right. Not a big, big deal, I'm sorry to say. I mean, not that I I am ambivalent about the resurrection of Christ, but I think of resurrection, Christ's resurrection throughout the year, not just on a certain Sunday of the year when it's regularly scheduled, once a year. I think once a year is too seldom by far. 
to remember Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. But I'm fine with having a remembrance that is more intentional, more significant, and more coordinated among all of Christendom once a year for Easter. Uh, Christmas. Christmas, you cannot convince me that Christmas is a pagan holiday and that we need to skip it because you know Christmas trees and decorating and presents under the Christmas trees and Santa and all that, ah, you know, ah, that's a distraction from the birth of Christ, the nativity. You can't convince me that we need to throw out all Christmas traditions just because you can trace the origins of some of these things to some way in the distance past pagan myth or observance. Uh, Halloween, I'll just be honest, I don't, I don't really worry about I don't worry about it. Um, you know, I, growing up, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some backstory. <clears throat> growing up, for me personally, I remember going trick-or-treating more than a few times. Not every year, but probably at least half the years of my childhood, we went trick-or-treating. And it was not uncommon for us to get a pumpkin and to carve a pumpkin and put it out on the front steps just for fun. I mean, it wasn't, we didn't make a big deal out of it, but it was kind of like, well, everybody's carving pumpkins and yeah, we'll pick up a pumpkin. And I love the smell of pumpkin. I love cutting into a pumpkin, scooping out the guts. Uh, I like salted and peppered uh, pumpkin seeds cooked in the oven, served up. I think that's pretty cool. I don't mind having some of that. I don't mind watching the uh, Charlie Brown, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown uh, movie around Halloween. But I've never been big on horror movies. Growing up, that was one genre that we just never watched. We never watched horror movies. Never watched slasher films. Was never allowed to watch Freddy Krueger or Jason Voorhees or Chucky or any of those that are just horrifying. Nothing with some demon or ghost or monster who's just savaging everybody. Did not grow up with those films. That was not a part of my childhood. And then even on into my teenage years and my adult years to date, I've just never really cared for horror movies at all. I'm not a, not a big horror movie guy. In fact, I have, I do have a, a fairly strong objection to watching horror movies, and it can be related to where we don't go with Halloween as a family, and part of why we're just apathetic about it. I don't like movies that make evil into this all-powerful, omnipotent, soul-crushing force, and make good out to be impotent, helpless, incapable. I don't like that. I don't like it when some dark, demonic, spiritual force has all the power and the supposedly innocent people, usually not so innocent people for the most part, are just at the mercy of evil with no check, no balance, no stopgap. 
I don't like that. And I don't like that because of my Christian faith, because that is not reality. And we can't tell ourselves that that is reality. I think that telling ourselves that that is the reality, that evil is stronger than good, that will lead to a kind of fatalism which may cause us to go along with evil, to just accept that evil is stronger, evil's the winning side, and so I'm going to side with evil. I'm going to compromise. I'm going to give evil what it wants. I'm going to give it its due in myself, in other people around me. I'm going to be passive. I'm going to hide. I'm going to run and hide from evil instead of confronting it. I don't like that. I don't like that one little bit. And now I don't mind, personally, again, because of how I hold the Christian faith in my heart and my mind, I don't mind if you have a scary evil. Actually, I think evil really truly is scary. It's a scary thing. And it's a destructive thing. It's, it is all about breaking down God's creation, which was originally good. And then when God made Adam and Eve, it was very good. Evil is about destroying what God has made as a way of making war on God. That isn't to say that all destruction is evil because it can be good to destroy evil. And God ultimately will. We're promised he will destroy evil. He will commit the devil and his angels who rebelled and all who finished the race in rebellion against God, humanly speaking. He will commit them to destruction. They are committed to destruction already. But that will come to fruition. And in the meantime, the saints are persecuted, sometimes violently, sometimes more bureaucratically, sometimes socially, sometimes economically, sometimes mortally, very often actually throughout history. The history of the church is filled with martyrs of the faith. And that can be horrifying when you start reading stories of martyrs. You start reading stories of the saints from times past who were arrested on false charges like Jesus and who followed and imitated Jesus in being slandered, tortured, beaten, and put to death publicly for all to see, to destroy them in every respect in the eyes of the community. But just so, we have stories of saint after saint after saint bravely and faithfully facing even a public execution in a way that won over those who observed, those who watched. Hey, these Christians really believe in this Jesus. These Christians really believe in this gospel. These Christians really believe in the resurrection of the dead on the day of judgment. These Christians are not afraid of us, and they're not afraid of what we do to them. They don't fear man who can only kill the body and has more, no more he can do to them. They fear God who can kill the body and throw the soul into hell forever. And maybe we should. Maybe we should fear this God that they fear because we wouldn't face our death that bravely. It can be painful, it can be difficult, it can be heart-wrenching and heartbreaking to read stories of martyrs, Christian martyrs throughout history. 
and to see the evil that man is capable of committing apart from God in rebellion against God and when Satan takes hold of the human heart, when God gives men over to a reprobate mind. It can be jarring and nauseating, and yet, when our eyes are fixed on Jesus and the resurrection of the dead, we have an ability to endure and to persevere. So I don't like horror movies that get fatalistic, nihilistic, which show gratuitous violence against man and beast and show evil winning. I don't like that because that's not true. That's not reality. That's a lie. And I think some people who make their diet, their media diet, out of a lot of that kind of content, their minds and their hearts go to a very dark, dark place as a result. And they feed that. They feed that dark place inside themselves. And it will bear fruit in their lives. And I'm not so sure... I'm not convinced it will bear good fruit. So turning to this Wikipedia article for Halloween, I'm going to read some of this. And we might all learn a thing or two. I'm curious what Wikipedia has to say. Yes, you have to take Wikipedia with a grain of salt, but it's still interesting. It's the wild, woolly world of Wikipedia where you might find some nonsense. You might find some threads to pull on for further reading, for further research. From the top, Halloween, or Hallow-Ain, a contraction of All Hallows' Evening, also known as All Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, or All Saints' Eve, is a celebration observed in many countries on 31st October, the eve of the Western Christian feast of All Hallows' Day. See, I didn't know that. Just telling you, just being upfront. We're learning together. If you didn't know that, I didn't know that. It begins the observance of All Hallow Tide, the time in the liturgical year dedicated to remembering the dead, including saints, hallows, martyrs, and all the departed. One theory holds that many Halloween traditions were influenced by Celtic harvest festivals, particularly the Gaelic festival Samhain, which are believed to have pagan roots. Some go farther and suggest that Samhain may have been Christianized as All Hallows' Day along with its eve by the early church. Other academics believe Halloween began solely as a Christian holiday, being the vigil of All Hallows' Day, celebrated in Ireland and Scotland. In the 19th century, Irish and Scottish migrants brought many Halloween customs to North America and even through American influence, Halloween spread to many other countries by the 21st century. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Halloween was celebrated in Ireland and Scotland in the 19th century. So we're talking 1800s, for those of you who get confused like I sometimes do. 19th century, you mean the 1900s? No, I mean the 1800s. Oh. Irish and Scottish immigrants brought many Halloween customs to North America in the 1800s. That's interesting. Halloween activities include trick-or-treating, or the related guising and souling, 
attending Halloween costume parties, carving pumpkins into jack-o'-lanterns, lighting bonfires, apple bobbing, divination games, and that's a problem. I don't, not on board with that. Not on board with divination. That was a big one growing up. My great grandmother, Polly, Polly Long or Paula Long, in Long Island, New York. She literally was a part of a coven. She literally was a witch. Married a dead guy who had been married before he died to somebody else. She married him. Super weird. Very sweet lady in terms of her, you know, she was very polite. She was very friendly. She was very sweet, personable, good manners, um, but also a witch. And she lived to be 104. And uh, we lived with her for a couple of weeks when I was 16 or 17. One of those two. I think it was 16. (laughs) Divination was an absolute non-starter. Any kind of board games like the Ouija board thing, absolutely not. No, 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 no. You can't go there. When I was growing up, that was an absolute no-go. In my house now, absolute no-go. We don't do that. We do not do that. Now, it was this bad even, actually. There was a game, there was a computer game that I bought. Funny story. I'm just remembering this. There was a computer game that was, it wasn't, I mean, there were magical elements, but no more than in Lord of the Rings or the Chronicles of Narnia. And I don't even remember what the game was called anymore. I only remember that I'm playing this game and I'm describing this game and I use the term hex to describe something in the game, just in passing. Now, to explain this, a hex is short for a hexagon. A hexagon in the game, thats I mean, that's a very common shape in board games. In a lot of strategy games that are turn-based, you have hexagonal tiles that your units are able to move on to, and only one unit can occupy one hexagon at a time. And... That's just how the that's how the board is organized. You know, if it were checkers, they would be squares, but it's not checkers. It's a little more complicated, so there's more sides, and it's a hexagon. So I mentioned in passing, I was I think I was explaining it to my mom or my dad, one of the two, I don't remember which. But I mentioned that there are these hexes. Oh my word, you would not believe the eruption. And that game was gone. That game was gone, gone, gone. Did not see it again. You can't play this game anymore. And there was no reasoning with it. And it was ridiculous. It was very ridiculous. I was so mad. Because I'm trying to explain. It's like, no, it's not hex like a, like witchcraft, like a spell. It's hex like the shape. And it just, like, there was no going. Because there were fantastical creatures. There were... There were elements of magic in the game in terms of like here's a griffin and here's a troll and here's a whatever but it was like you're using those pieces to try and conquer the map and anyway that from my upbringing I think was just a bit silly with all respect to my parents I think that was silly 
and we don't do that. We don't, I, we at least try, maybe my kids will have stories in 20 years, but we, we at least try to have a more measured approach and be reasonable and not freak out because the shortened version of hexagon sounds like witchcraft. Anyway, uh, Halloween activities include blah, 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 playing pranks, visiting haunted attractions, telling scary stories, as well as watching horror films, which we've already discussed. For some people, the Christian religious observance of All Hallows Eve, including attending church services and lighting candles on the graves of the dead, remain popular, although for others it is a secular celebration. Some Christians historically abstained from meat on All Hallows Eve, a tradition reflected in the eating of certain vegetarian foods on this vigil day, including apples, potato pancakes, and soul cakes. I've never heard of soul cakes, but it sounds weird. Soul cakes, uh, also known, this is a little pop-up that shows up on Wikipedia when I hover my mouse over soul cakes, also known as a soul mass cake, is a small round cake, which is traditionally made for Halloween, All Saints Day, and All Souls Day to commemorate the dead in many religious traditions. The cakes often simply referred to as souls are given out to solars who go from door to door. Interesting. Etymology, the word Halloween or Halloween dates to about 1745 and is of Christian origin. The word Halloween, 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 I don't know. There's an apostrophe between the two E's in one spelling. Uh, means saint's evening. It comes from a Scottish term for All Hallows Eve, the evening before All Hallows Day. In Scots, the word Eve is even, and this is contracted to Ian. Oh, Ian. I see. Oh, the apostrophe there is in place of the V. Ian. Hallow Ian or Ian. Over time, All Hallows Even evolved into Halloween, although the phrase All Hallows is found in Old English, All Hallows Eve is itself not seen until 1556. Halloween is thought to have roots in Christian beliefs and practice. The name Halloween comes from All Hallows Eve. Yes, 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 you're repeating yourselves. Uh, Let me skip down. Since the time of the early church, major feasts in Christianity, such as Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost, had vigils that began the night before, as did the Feast of All Hallows. These three days are collectively called All Hallow Tide. Interesting and are a time for honoring the saints and praying for recently departed souls who have yet to reach heaven. Commemorations of all saints and martyrs were held by several churches on various dates, mostly in springtime. It was held on 13 May in 4th century Roman Edessa, and on 13th May 609, Pope Boniface IV rededicated the Pantheon in Rome to St. Mary and all martyrs. This was the date of Lemuria, an ancient Roman festival of the dead. Beginning in the 4th century, the Feast of All Hallows in the Western Christian Church commemorated commemorated Christian martyrs. And in the 8th century, Pope Gregory III, 731 to 741, founded an oratory in St. Peter's for the relics of the holy apostles and of all saints, martyrs, and confessors. Some sources say it was dedicated on 1st November, while others say it was on Palm Sunday. By 800, there's evidence that churches in Ireland and Northumbria we're holding a feast commemorating All Saints on 1st November. Alcuin of Northumbria, a member of Charlemagne's court, may then have introduced this 1st November date in the Frankish Empire. 
835 became the official date in the Frankish Empire. Some suggest this was due to Celtic influence, while others suggest it was a Germanic idea. Although it is claimed that both Germanic and Celtic speaking peoples commemorated the dead at the beginning of winter. They may have seen it as the most fitting time to do so, as it is a time of dying in nature. It is also suggested that change was made on the practical grounds that Rome in summer could not accommodate the great number of pilgrims who flocked to it, and perhaps because of public health concerns over Roman fever, which claimed a number of lives during Rome's sultry summers. By the end of the 12th century, they had become holy days of obligation in Western Christianity and involved such traditions as ringing church bells for souls in purgatory. It was also customary for criers dressed in black to parade the streets, ringing a bell of mournful sound and calling on all good Christians to remember the poor souls. The All Hallowtide custom of baking and sharing soul cakes for all christened souls has been suggested as the origin of trick-or-treating. Very interesting. The custom dates back at least as far as the 15th century and was found in parts of England, Wales, Flanders, Bavaria, and Austria. Groups of poor people, often children, would go door-to-door during All Hallowtide, collecting soul cakes in exchange for praying for the dead, especially the souls of the giver's friends and relatives. This was called souling. Soul cakes were also offered for the souls themselves to eat, or the solers would act as their representatives. As with the Lenten tradition of hot cross buns, Soul cakes were often marked with a cross, indicating they were baked as alms. Shakespeare mentions souling in his comedy, The Two Gentlemen of Verona, 1593. While souling, Christians would carry lanterns made of hollowed-out turnips, which could have originally represented souls of the dead. Jack-o'-lanterns were used to ward off evil spirits. On All Saints' Day and All Souls' Day during the 19th century, candles were lit in homes in Ireland, Flanders, Bavaria and in Tyrol, where they were called soul lights that served to guide the souls back to visit their earthly homes. In many of these places, candles were also lit at graves on All Souls Day. In Brittany, libations of milk were poured on the graves of kinfolk. Christian minister Prince Sori Conte linked the wearing of costumes to the belief in vengeful ghosts. It was traditionally believed that the souls of the departed wandered the earth until All Saints Day and All Hallows Eve provided one last chance for the dead to gain vengeance on their enemies before moving back to the next world. In order to avoid being recognized by any soul that might be seeking such vengeance, people would don masks or costumes. It is claimed that in the Middle Ages, churches that were too poor to display relics of martyred saints at All Hallow Tide let parishioners dress up as saints instead. Some Christians observe this custom at Halloween Day. Leslie Benetine believes this could have been a Christianization of an earlier pagan custom. Many Christians in mainland Europe, especially in France, believed that once a year in Halloween, on Halloween, the dead of the churchyards rose for one wild, hideous carnival known as the Dons Macabre, which was often depicted in church decoration. Christopher Almond and Rosamund McKitterick write in the new Cambridge medieval history that the Dons Macabre urged Christians, not to forget the end of all earthly things. The Dons Macabre was sometimes enacted at village pageants and court mosques with people dressing up as corpses from various strata of society. This may be the origin of Halloween costume parties. Very interesting. I did not know that. That is very interesting. 
In Britain, these customs came under attack during the Reformation as Protestants berated purgatory as a popish doctrine, incompatible with the Calvinist doctrine of predestination. That makes sense. State-sanctioned ceremonies associated with the intercession of the saints and prayer for souls in purgatory were abolished during the Elizabethan Reform, although All Hallows' Day continued to be recognized in the English liturgical calendar to commemorate saints as godly human beings. For some nonconformist Protestants, the theology of All Hallows' Eve was redefined, quote, souls cannot be journeying from purgatory on their way to heaven, as Catholics frequently believe and assert. Instead, the so-called ghosts are thought to be in actuality, evil spirits, end quote. Other Protestants believed in an intermediate state known as Hades or the bosom of Abraham, also known as Sheol. In some localities, Catholics and Protestants continued souling, candlelit processions, or ringing church bells for the dead. The Anglican Church eventually suppressed this bell ringing. Mark Donnelly, a professor of medieval archaeology and historian Daniel Dale, write that barns and homes were blessed to protect people and livestock from the effects of witches, who were believed to accompany the malignant spirits as they traveled the earth. After 1605, Hallowtide was eclipsed in England by Guy Fawkes Night, November 5th, my birthday, by the way, which appropriated some of its customs. In England, the ending of official ceremonies related to the intercession of saints led to the development of new unofficial Hallowtide customs. In 18th to 19th century rural Lancashire, Catholic families gathered on hills on the night of All Hallows' Eve. One held a bunch of burning straw on a pitchfork while the rest knelt around him, praying for the souls of relatives and friends until the flames went out. This was known as Tinlay. There was a similar custom in Hertfordshire and the lighting of Tyndall fires in Derbyshire. Some suggested these Tyndalls were originally lit to guide the poor souls back to earth. In Scotland and Ireland, all Hallowtide customs Old Alhallowtide customs that were at odds with Reformed teaching were not suppressed as they were important to the life cycle and rites of passage of local communities and curbing them would have been difficult. <laughs> you can't stop me. I'm going to carve this pumpkin. <laughs> uh, you got to love the Scots and the Irish. In parts of Italy, some families left a meal out for the ghosts of relatives before leaving for church services. In Spain, they continued to bake special pastries called Bones of the Holy, Spanish, Huesos de Santo, and set them on graves. So, okay, enough of reading Wikipedia. You can go check out the great deal more that is here. There is a great deal more on the Wikipedia article for Halloween. I read maybe the first third, but you get... The point, and actually, I think this is really, really fascinating stuff personally because, yes, as a Protestant, as a good Protestant, my whole life with zero, exactly zero or negative interest in Catholicism and participating in anything that affirms purgatory as an idea and not a pagan at all, uh, I I can understand the uncomfortability that a lot of Christians have with Halloween because they don't want to give in to paganism, especially. That's what I've heard much more often. But even with regards to purgatory, no, you don't want to encourage people to go back to that, go back to buying indulgences to try and reduce the amount of time that your loved ones are going to spend 
in purgatory. Purgatory is not a thing. You're either in Christ or you're not in Christ when you die, and that's it. If you're in Christ, then you rise. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is now no longer, now no longer, any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So why would there be a purgatory? If anything, if there's anything approximating purgatory, it is here now. It is this life, the suffering that we endure. Yes, that's biblical for us to endure suffering in the here and now and for that to develop perseverance, to test our faith, to purify us, to sanctify us in some measure, to be part of the sanctification process, rather. That is part of the sanctification process that we suffer trials and temptations and persecution. But I don't believe in the least that there is some intermediate state between this life and the next called purgatory. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the scriptures. It, there's nothing to support it except for a Ponzi scheme, a, a medieval Ponzi scheme that was designed to raise funds to build cathedrals to wage a cultural war against Islam and to wage literal crusades against the onslaught of Islam. Now, all that said, all that said, here's been my position. Anytime somebody's asked me or in talking with my wife, she's creeped out by the preoccupation with death inherent to Halloween. The celebration of death is how it feels. People are dressing up as skeletons and ghosts and dead people and corpses and monsters and all that. And it just, it seems, it it seems like a celebration of death and a celebration of evil. And for a lot of people, I, I think you could go there. You could say that's, that's fair. I think most people are just having fun with it. They're just dressing up like somebody else just for the fun of it, just to do something fun. Hey, this is a tradition just like, the reformed tradition in Scotland and Ireland concluded this is important to the community. We're not going to try and suppress it in part because we wouldn't be able to. Uh, but also just because this is just, it's just a thing, right? It's on the calendar. It's something we do. It's been part of all of our growing up and we can let people have this without it becoming an awful evil thing rather than trying to abolish it. Maybe let's try and, steer the way in which we spend this time and which traditions, which, you know, if you're going to carve a pumpkin, do you need to believe that it's going to ward off evil spirits? No. Can you do it just for the fun of it? Why not? Right? Why not? If everybody else is doing it and they're just doing it for fun and nobody, nobody that I know of, nobody that I've ever known carved a pumpkin because they literally thought they were going to ward off evil spirits thereby. But if you can carve a pumpkin and it's just a fun little activity, a fun little craft, I don't see the big I don't see the big deal. I think it is kind of like meat offered to idols in the epistles. That is a controversy in the early church because you have pagan vendors in the market who before they sell meat in the market, they pray over it. They they perform a little ceremony blessing the meat in the name of a pagan god. And so some Christians in the, early, in the early church said, I can't eat that because it's been consecrated to a pagan god. And that, if I ate it, I would be participating in this pagan 
ritual, and I can't affirm that. That's idolatry. And other Christians said, uh, there's nowhere else to get meat besides this pagan vendor, for one. For two, whatever he did with it, it's God's blessing to us that we can pray. We can just pray over it ourselves, and we'll consecrate, reconsecrate it, consecrate it to the good Lord, to the true God, the God of gods, Lord of lords, the Almighty, and it's no big deal. And Paul writes about this. The Apostle Paul writes about this in the New Testament, and he says that we should not use our freedom as an occasion to destroy our brothers. Don't use your freedom as a cover-up for sin, and it would be sinful and wicked to try and destroy your brother because he disagrees with you on this, on the meat offered to idols. I think some of the aspects of Halloween are meat offered to idols, and we can disagree about it. And if we disagree about it, you do you, and I'll do me, and your house doesn't have to carve pumpkins, and mine may or may not. We're just not we're not worried about it one way or the other. But we might, and if we do, uh, don't beat up on us. And if you don't, we won't beat up on you. If you can't do it in good conscience, okay, good, fine, do something else. Now, I will say this. I don't mind watching a suspenseful, a suspenseful movie, a suspenseful film. I don't mind watching uh, Wolfman. You know, if we watch Wolfman and it's a little bit scary and we did something for Halloween, if we watch, what's another? If we watch uh, uh, Signs or The Village, that would be a fun one. Watch The Village by M. Night Shyamalan uh, on Halloween. Great movie. Great movies. Uh, Is that a big deal? I don't think so. Can we eat some candy corn while we do it? I think we can. Not terribly worried about it. But I I will say this on the costumes thing. I mean, I think it's weird that there was maybe a tradition that vengeful ghosts might come back and get you because they're all, you know, let out to play on Halloween. And so you disguise yourself. Uh, so they, they they don't recognize you. It's like, what kind of dark deeds were these <laughs> medieval Christians doing? It's like, you murdered this guy, and now his ghost is going to come back and haunt you, so you dress up as somebody else, so he, he doesn't know that it's you? Like, okay. That's weird. Let's not do that. Mostly because I don't have any ghosts that I can think of that want to get me. So that's good. But the other piece where you have some churches allegedly, you know, they don't have the money for artwork commemorating saints of the past, martyrs. They don't have artwork and they can't afford it. They can't afford to have a you know, piece of stained glass that you can point to and tell the story. Tell the kids a story about the martyrdom of um, you know, St. Stephen, for instance, the stoning of St. Stephen, first Christian martyr. Uh, you, you, don't, you don't have a statue of that. You don't have a painting of that on the wall because you, you, your church is too poor. You don't have time for that. You're just a poor rural church. And so what are you going to do? Well, maybe what you might do is put on a skit and act it out for the kids. Act it out for the less literate among you who have shorter attention spans and get distracted too easily. And they need that visual. They need more than just your words. You know, dress up. 
dress up as St. Stephen. I don't know quite how you do that, but okay, maybe you can. And maybe you can dress up as some of these other martyrs. And maybe if you dress up as a knight in shining armor or a princess, if you're my daughter, or Iron Man or whatever, you know, maybe that is bastardizing what it is that might have been originally a, a good thing or a decent thing in Halloween. But on the other hand, is there any law commanding you to have to, have to, have to dress up as Martin Luther on Halloween? Do you have to do that? You can do that. That's fine. I think it'd be cool. I think it'd be awesome for somebody to dress up as Martin Luther for Halloween. But do, are you are you forbidden? Is there anything in the scriptures, anything in God's word that forbids you from dressing up as Iron Man just for the fun of it? That forbids your kids from dressing up as Woody from Toy Story? I don't think so. If my kid runs around with a cowboy hat on and has some candy and watches The Village by M. Night Shyamalan tomorrow, it, it's not the end of the world. And actually it might be, might be a really good time. Uh, anyway, ooh, it's been a while since I said anyway at this point in the podcast. I need to revisit that, apparently. I have been saying it here recently more as I'm talking to people that I know in private audio messages on Signal. I'll say something, I'll send them a message, and then once I forget what I was going to say next or I run out of things to say and I wasn't really sure how to conclude this. I say anyway, and then I'm thinking to myself, where did that come from again all of a sudden? I was doing so well cutting that out of my vocabulary, and now it's back. And actually, I think what it is, I think all of the stress and anxiety about my work situation is taking a little bit of a toll, and that's not good. That's not good. Uh, Garrett needs to stop that. Don't give into the stress. Don't give into the anxiety. Trust the good Lord. And that's that's what we should be concluding on everything, whether it's uncertainty in our work situation, uh, relationship conflict, our political situation in this country, where's the world going, what's coming next down the pike, whether to celebrate Halloween or not, whether you're going to actually get to take your entire week of vacation and go to the mountains with your wife for three days while Luke and Caitlin Bergman, who are beautiful, wonderful people, come and stay with your kiddos. It's all got to be put at the feet of the good Lord. And you trust the good Lord. The good Lord is going to have his purposes, his promises come true. And at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Trust in him. I'm going to leave it there. It's a Saturday morning. I'm going to have some more coffee, hang out with my family. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com.